everyone. Welcome to our latest episode of our See Me podcast. This week it is another Anti-Stigma Summer Sessions special. The event we have coming up later is uh, our Meaningful Movies and Wise Words chat, which went out as a, on, on Facebook Live on the 13th of August, last Thursday. And it was a really great event hosted by two of our volunteers, Susan and Gemma, chatting with uh, other volunteers, Liam, Bridget and Chick, and they were chatting all about the books and the films that have been most significant to them um, and how they've kind of connected with that and that's helped them to challenge mental health stigma and discrimination. Um, As last week, have been joined again by Maeve. Hello, Maeve. Hello. Hello. You didn't give me any sort of nickname or title honorary title that time just Maeve you're right I didn't and I'm sorry about that sorry um and here is the outlandish devilish (laughs) wonderful (laughs) Pilkington oh I thought that was going back to Maeve again um oh hello Hello. I know it's devastating hello um and as ever, the bottom left-hand corner of my Zoom screen is co-hosty. Hi, co-hosty. Co, I'm too, I'm too tired to sing theme tune today, but uh, you know, you know it by now. Everyone knows been, it because you've been spoiled by having yep. that nickname all the time. Yep. Isn't that? You're not having to work if for it if Maeve, if Maeve and I aren't co-hosts, then what are we to you, Nick? Um, you are like. My muses. <laughs> <laughs> you went too far. You went too far the other way. <laughs> we did not. We did not need that. Too much. It's too much pressure. Yeah. Um, I was thinking featured, featured, featured guests. You're a, sort of a comrade. Esteemed contributors. If it was in the credit, I'd like to be at the end as a with or an and. Oh, yeah, that sort of, oh, wow, I can't believe they've managed yeah, to get Yeah, I can't believe they've got this. Maeve in this podcast, yeah. yeah. No. I'll, I'll think of my own title and I'll get it to you. All right, because, I mean, I gave you a title in the intro and then on demand I supplied another two different titles, but none of those will work. Eh? You've got loads of those. Right? Yeah, I think I, I think I want to be band manager. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, we'll, we'll see how that works out. I'll put it in my email signature from now on, you'll see. <laughs> yeah, we will. I'll look out for it. It's good to hide things in an email signature. So, as I said before, um, chatting this week we will be having uh, playing out for you the Meaningful Movies and Wise Words event, which went out on Facebook Live uh, last Thursday. Another one, a really great event. Um, great to see how many people get, have been getting involved in all of the summer sessions and commenting and liking and sharing and just the amazing conversations that they've started as well um and i have a question that i will give to all of you i'll start with you d what have you found inspirational so far in the summer sessions events um i think it's something that we've we've spoken about a few times but i think just seeing well one the amount of people that are tuning in to actually watch them has been phenomenal and um, really really cool because it's not something that you know 
we kind of we didn't think it was going to be so not that we didn't think it was going to be good we knew it was going to be really good but I think we're just a little bit kind of like whoa how many people are tuning in to watch this is really really cool Um, and I think just as well the amount of people that are like actively getting involved and coming up with ideas of their own it's really cool to see our volunteers as well be so like inspired to to do things and and do new projects um as well so I think just like the the hunger for it that's that's been really cool to see yeah definitely what about you Lynn? well Maeve is the thing that inspires me about the anti-stigma conversation <laughs> um everything's flipping too far the other way now just <laughs> feels maybe like I don't really work here and it's just a practical <laughs> joke you're all playing on me <laughs> No, it's just because like if it's inspirational, then we're just we're just running it as well. But um, for me, then the stuff that definitely to echo what these said about people, people getting engaged has been so cool. The variety of people, the voices that have been in the chat. If you call Facebook messages, chat voices, I don't know, those those people contributors. Um, well, that's what our titles could be. Um, that's what I said. Definitely is, was it? Yeah. Um, sorry, back to the inspiration. Um, <laughs> I'd say the the way that there's been definite the variety that we've adapted through whether it's Q and A's, art. There's oh, there's quizzes way back. There's there's loads of different stuff and workshops. So a little bit of something for everything. So for me, it, it does show. It's inspiring to see that a movement can be so adaptable, and reach so many different people um it, it's definitely shown that there's a different way for everyone to get involved it has. And, sorry i'm allowed to add another one i yes. think the support that volunteers give each other has been so cool like it's a different form of like say volunteering for example but the way our community of volunteers have like showed up in each event being like go you or i love that poem or whatever it's been a really great way for us to connect in that in the real world if someone went and did a workshop or did something else that they wouldn't be able to get gain like immediate access to the content or the, the information they were sharing and we're seeing our volunteers go from strength to strength in the way they collaborate together. We've really seen that in like you say the amount of people who are watching the events and commenting and also how they're supporting each other during the events as well and, and appearing together and one of the things that I really like about the Meaningful Movies event and the recording that we'll play after is that it is just all of our volunteers. There's none of the staff on there. They're just leading it themselves. And I thought it was, it was really, really great to see. Really enjoyed that. Um, finally, to, to see me's own podcast, Yorkshire Yodeler, Maeve, um, what have you found inspirational? <laughs> um, yeah, I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, um, yes, I agree with everything that everybody else has said, but all those things have been really inspirational. Um, and to also pick up on what Dee said, I think that everything, pretty much all of the events, I think probably everyone have, have been totally born out of things that volunteers themselves or contributors themselves are passionate about. And that's always how we've approached supporting volunteers, even before we start, we moved on to this whole new world of online content. And it's really great that that has been able to continue. Um, and I think the Meaningful Movies example is, is a really good one because that really came out of just our 
it was in fact an icebreaker that um, Lynn did during a volunteer Zoom catch up. Like, hey, anybody seen any good films or read anything good? And the conversation that came out of that, um, people just, you know, chatting about things that have been really significant to them, books that they'd found really helpful or things that have been, it, it really quickly turned into something that was obviously uh, something that, that chimed with a lot of people. And then there was such a will and enthusiasm and, you know, a supportive network of volunteers, um, as you say, no no staff involved in that in that recording who then could just you know take that forward and and just make like a really interesting kind of wide-ranging conversation about about books and film but about all sorts of other things as well so and it's really nice to see them come together over like say something that they are really passionate about and care about and to have the the space to to do that and with these summer sessions have been created partly in reaction to the situation that we're in in the world in general with lockdown or coming out of lockdown and social distancing but not being able to put on those physical events like we used to um, but finding a place to to have these sorts of things then how important is it that we create a space and other people create a space where people can discuss mental health um yeah like super important um i think these events have been um significant and insignificant in that significant in that we're showing that it's really not too hard to create that environment to talk about mental health so um hopefully by the way we and the volunteers have been running events um there's just that foundation there that these are topics that people can talk about and that they may they might go on to talk about other things, but it's that it's that safe space where people can open up and by recording that, sharing that, then hopefully we're inspiring other people to take action and create those spaces out with a, a, it's not a framed conversation, it's not a sch- scheduled conversation. Well, we know when we're turning up, but we talk about mental health, but we talk about loads of other stuff as well. And we're not reading off a script but it arises and we know how to interact with it and hopefully that can and can show people that anywhere can be the place that people can talk about mental health um whether you're having a conversation about your a movie and you want to say hey i didn't really enjoy that portrayal of a mental health issue or that's something i've been affected by or yeah a poem that you share which might be about there's just so it's really important that we are creating those spaces we're role modeling those spaces and that people are taking that on board and using that and saying, and whether it's even just saying, forwarding on and sharing an event and saying, hey, I saw this event about mental health. I've been feeling quite like those things in that poem. Can you watch that? Check that out. There's loads of ways that you can use that. Not only see that, but then role model it, share it, and, and use it as a catalyst to start talking about mental health. And that's a really good thing, I think, about us being able to do this digitally is that people can share that on with their friends or or with whoever they like and say come along to this and pretty much anyone can have access to it and to watch it or to catch up with it in the same way that you can't necessarily if there's geographical difficulties or travel difficulties or whatever it may be so it's been good to be able to and as well the volunteers are featuring in it a lot of them are sharing it and promoting it across their social media channels and that's been amazing to see as well because they're becoming champions in and of their own right in a in a digital space saying if you want to know why i write poetry check this out 
or I'm chatting about movies, why not tune in? And seeing them take ownership of that story and, and taking taking so much from it themselves, but then sharing that with our networks in such a proud way, it would just be, yeah, the more we expand that, the more we normalise that, the more the next person that might be part of their network says, actually, I could get involved in that conversation. It's really nice to see how proud they are when they're taking part in events. I really like that. And this event that we're going to play out soon uh, on films and books specifically, um, may have wanted to ask you is that, and something that they do touch on a little bit, obviously lots of what they're talking about is things that have inspired them and have been helpful and good. But that's not always the case with the media's portrayal of mental health. Um, and what do you think the danger is of films and books that can portray mental health in a stigmatising way? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it can be hugely dangerous and perhaps one of the most dangerous ways that those kinds of things can be stigmatised. Um, I think in our last podcast, I mentioned how much stories resonate with us and stick in our mind. And I think if you've seen something that portrays a mental health, um, particular mental health condition or experience as being frightening, for example, or being um, something that people don't recover from or whatever, whatever stigmatising and untruthful thing it might be, that's the sort of thing that people will remember. And it's very hard, I think, to kind of shake those um, very stigmatising portrayals out, out of your mind once once you've seen them. Um, and so, you know, the more that we can be amplifying these really positive, interesting, kind of helpful portrayals of books and TV programmes and films and things like that, um, that hopefully this event, obviously, you know, just there's, there's only four volunteers talking about different different pieces of, of, of artwork so um that's what they're speaking about but hopefully um the conversation will have continued about all the different great examples of you know books film tv that have really good um portrayals of mental health that we can that we can point people in the direction of instead i suppose for so many years there has been that negative portrayal of mental health and having more recently i suppose not even kind of inspirational but just at the very least realistic portrayals of mental health we're seeing more which is really good to see that's why i was i was going to say that as well we it's not um i wouldn't say our volunteers are in the nature of minimizing mental health at all or it always having a good happy ending it it's not about that but it's about seeing the full person for what they are and that might be bad times and not just finishing the story on the hopeless bad terrifying times that it's so much more than that there might be aspects of that to it but also there's people there's laughter there's finding yourself there's there's recovery there's all of that and and things that focus so so predominantly on on the negatives is just yeah, that's what, exactly what Neve was saying. It's it's so so dangerous. Dee, have you ever had any books or films or anything like that that you found have helped you understand mental health more? Yeah, I, I read a lot, especially with 
when it comes to books I think it's you know and Bridget's one of our volunteers who does a lot around this as well kind of you know prose and, and poetry and, and mental health and I think you know um, I love writers like Elizabeth Gilbert and Dolly Alderton and they kind of write very much they don't necessarily reference specific mental health conditions or, or issues but just that kind of life experience that we all have mental health and there are peaks and troughs and the way that they go through that process is, is really really interesting um, there's a young writer Charlie Cox who is a poet who I really really love and she's got a book um, called She Must Be Mad and it's basically her experience of, of living with um, mental illness and, and a kind of coming of age story going through her 20s and, and what that can be like as well. I think it's important to point out that in, in terms of books and films and things, no one film or one book's ever going to cover the you know, the whole experience of, of living with, with mental health and what might be helpful for one person, another person might find stigmatizing or difficult or just can't relate to it in the same way so as much as I think it's really important that we call out stigmatizing um, pieces of literature or films also leave space for people to have that debate themselves and say why they think something's stigmatizing or why it might relate to them more and I think that's why it's such a great way of opening up conversations because it brings it into the mainstream in a way that you know, we we don't you never want to chastise people for what they choose to identify with, but it's also good just to have those conversations too. Um, yeah, I think it's it's just such a powerful tool to be able to say, oh, this you know this is what I experienced, but maybe not everybody will. Um, yeah, I think that's really important. The, the the way that um, the way that people can open up debates afterwards. Um, I think sometimes even when I've been to see things or um and I'm like hold on that doesn't seem right or that seems and whether it's talking with you new law or or think like how did you find that portrayal was that not really whatever yeah I, I find that really unhelpful and some people are like no I find that quite authentic or they maybe were doing it for the point to prove that that wasn't it opening up that space to really see how it's portrayed so for me some of the most striking moments has been seeing something portrayed quite in a way that I disagree with and then saying that's not what it's really like and that shouldn't have been interpreted like that and I really did not enjoy that message which then does make you more motivated to say let's let's rewrite this narrative let's own our narrative let's let's put out there the messages we want to be hearing yeah I suppose yeah. that's the sort of positive way that you can deal with negative situation I suppose is to then try and make that change and that difference just um, to echo what's just been said, really, because I think that's such great points. And, and, you know, there's really very few, uh, you know, novels or films that don't have some mental health component to them. I mean, it would be virtually impossible to think of anything, you know, you know, um, that there isn't some element of mental health that could be discussed. Um, so it really does come just back to the to the space that you're creating around it doesn't it um exactly as Lynn and Dia are saying and hopefully that's what the summer sessions are providing I think they are very much so so we will now listen to our latest event which was meaningful movies and wise words presented by Gemma and Susan and featuring Liam Bridget and Chick Welcome to our discussion on meaningful movies and wise words we're CME volunteers uh, we're going to be talking about books or films that have impacted us in some way. Our CME volunteers are going to be telling us about their choice of book or film and will explain why it's important to them. 
CME is not a support organization. They're a campaign to reduce stigma for men against mental illnesses and mental health issues. Um, but if you do have any kind of, if you are affected by any topics of discussion, then there are links on the CME website to signpost you in the right direction. Okay, so we're gonna go around our volunteers one at a time to discuss their meaningful words, meaningful and wise words. So we are starting with Bridget. So Bridget, if you could tell us about your one that you're gonna do. Right, I'm going to talk about Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. Oh, there's Susan. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so if, I don't know how many of you will have read this book, but it's the tale of a lady who at first glance is stuck on the very edge of society. She's plagued by self-stigma and ostracized by people who are put off by her unusual behavior. As her story unfolds, we learn that she's grown up with significant trauma and loss. She has no emotional connection in her life, and so she has learned a set of rules to live by, which give her a sense of safety and confidence. Addiction and obsession have taken over her life. I'm just gonna read a quick quotation which describes how she sees herself at the beginning of the book. I do not light up a room when I walk into it. No one longs to see me or to hear my voice. I do not feel sorry for myself, not in the least. These are simply statements of fact. I've been waiting for death all of my life. I do not mean that I actively wish to die, just that I don't really want to live. There was, it seemed, no Eleanor-shaped social hole for me. The catalyst to her recovery is connected with a work colleague called Raymond, who is a polar opposite to her in every way. The connections he facilitates for Eleanor using humour, acceptance and a complete lack of the discriminatory behaviour that she has been used to eventually enable her to progress both in the workplace and with her social skills. What more inspirational character could you look for than Eleanor Oliphant? She has endured cruelty and trauma as a child, been denied the most basic of support systems. She then finds alcohol and rigorous rules as a way of coping with day to day and finally emerges as intelligent, competent and creative. She's eventually able to connect with people and start to build rewarding relationships. She has many slip ups on her road to recovery but these only confirm the reality of her situation and inspire the reader that there can be hope for us all. Eleanor's experiences are extreme, but I'm sure many people can recognize at least one of her struggles. It's comforting to know that someone else needs rules to make them feel safe on a day-to-day -day basis. It's reassuring to read about someone else's awkwardness in social situations. It's a relief to know that other people have damaging habits. It's good for us to know that we're not alone in having difficult relationships with family members. It's freeing to learn that other people can have unhealthy obsessions. But above all, it's reassuring to witness that all of these can be overcome and recovery is always a possibility. As you read the book, you feel empathy and understanding for Eleanor and you see how beneficial the lack of stigma is to her progression. 
But best of all is when Eleanor herself acknowledges how Raymond's validation has improved her life. Whenever I'd been sad or upset before, the relevant people in my life would simply call my social worker and I'd be moved somewhere else. Raymond hadn't phoned anyone or asked an outside agency to intervene. He'd elected to look after me himself. I'd been pondering this and concluded that there must be some people for whom difficult behaviour wasn't a reason to end the relationship with you. If they liked you, and I remembered Raymond and I had agreed that we were pals now, then it seemed they were prepared to maintain contact, even if you were sad or upset or behaving in very challenging ways. This was something of a revelation. And I kind of feel that's what Eleanor Oliphant's story is a revelation to all of us who have struggled with mental health. Fantastic. Thank you very much for reading that, Bridget. So do you feel that it's affected how you've dealt with your things in your own life? Or just how um, you things? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think you everybody who has struggled with their mental health will recognize at least one aspect of Eleanor's struggles. And it's just, so it's just so encouraging to see that the idea that there are people out there who are prepared to overlook and accept you for who and what you are. Yeah, it's definitely really nice to have something to relate to as well. Isn't and it? I've recommended it to so many people and I haven't had one bad report of it. It's still on my list to read. <laughs> yeah, bought my copy. Well done, Susan. Yeah, Asda Gala Shields, so Asda's must have it. Excellent. I'm going to read it as well. Good. I'll be checking, check. Yeah, well, I uh, I might put it on my list, but I've got I'm hopeless at finishing a novel. Oh, oh you want time. to finish though, because you will want to see what happens to Eleanor. Oh, I want to finish all my novels. <laughs> <laughs> they just they pile up. I'm a very, very slow reader. All right. Uh, like myself, that's how my mental health affected me, my concentration. Mm. Yeah. So it takes yeah, me a while. It's, the OCD actually is why I stopped reading novels years and years ago, because I would eventually, I would start reading a novel and then um, something would happen that would make that novel untouchable. Either my hands wouldn't be clean enough or the novel itself, a fly would land on it, anything at all. And then you're stuck in the middle of the book and you can't find out what happens at the end. Very frustrating. So well, my problem with reading books is I can't stop on a page. You know, I can't stop on a page that is a multiple of 13 or has a one and a three. And I can't stop if the chapter I'm on is a 13 or a multiple of a 13. So that can be really distracting when you're getting really into a book but yeah so yeah I, 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 I reacted there because I thought you were just saying my problem is I can't stop <laughs> no that's actually more serious what you're saying is, is has a, a more serious edge to it sorry about that that's okay it's good to laugh about it <laughs> yeah. good among friends we've got Liam up next and Liam's one of our volunteers is the uh, with CB Scotland. He's also the lead activist with um, the choir through CB. Um, and he has an interesting story to tell, I believe, about a film. Yeah. Right. Um, You're talk, good talk about today. 
Yeah, a beautiful mind. It's basically it's a book and a film. It's based on a true story about John Nash. Um, the reason it's important to me, um, I've experienced schizophrenia since the age of 16, and I always found it hard for people to understand like, what I was going through, whether it be um, like voices, um, seeing people that weren't there, delusions. And it was actually a psychologist that recommended the film to try and let people see because it's, it portrays it in such a, a good light that it made people see that rather than, like when he was delusional in the film, they could see what his delusions were rather than seeing me just being weird. Um, because delusions is like a reality that you live in, but it's like everything's the same, but everything's changed and people can't see that bubble, that world that you're living in. So to show my family and friends this film, to let them see like what actually having a delusion or mind is like and being a delusion, whether it's like his delusion, maybe he's part of like the CIA working against the Russians. Um, I've had delusions before. Um, probably the worst one I've ever had was I ended up £13,500 in debt in one day um, just through having a delusional mind being in a world of my own because the delusions are... It's so real, like it's it's like just living reality. You you walk into a room and everything looks the same, but it's different. Um, it's hard to explain, but so a beautiful mind can explain people. To explain people mass gets a female, let them see. It basically showed them what they've done to me could be because of what they've done to join life. They they never realised the way they treated me. Like when I get diagnosed, they would like it was like they took your life away. You couldn't think for yourself. You couldn't speak. You couldn't control money. And that was what my family had done. Even my wife, like talk about relationships and things like that. And like she took my bank cards off me. I couldn't think. So a beautiful mind showed them what they'd done to John Nash was the same thing. Like he he was a well-renowned mathematician. He got a Nobel Nobel Prize in 1994, long after he was dead, unfortunately. But even due to his schizophrenia, they, 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 they never gave him awards because of his mental health. Even though he was so intelligent, he didn't hold another post in 1954, I think it was. Um, because they thought because he had schizophrenia, his mind couldn't function, he couldn't think properly, he couldn't work. So that what the film let people see what they'd done to me and to let them see that actually what I lived was quite horrific sometimes, but I was still a normal person and I could still lead a normal life. So it gave them an understanding. And when they seen that film, it actually changed their whole perception of me, um, which has helped me probably more in the past, I don't know, six years than all the years previous, and it's it basically down saying to them that watch this film, you see exactly what I live on a daily basis, and you might understand it. Mm-hmm. And it made me laugh watching it because he sees people in it, a man and a girl, and they, they look real. And I think the biggest, my wife, my ex-wife, sorry, um, when she was watching it, she never realised that the people he was talking to in Cudlin were actually not real, but they were to him. But, so rather than people telling me to get a grip and pull yourself together and don't. What was it they were saying to me? I'm going to cut that shit out. You know, you, you don't realise you're doing it because you're, you're talking to a real person. It's like talking to you on the screen. You're talking to a real person. But they couldn't see that. So once they've seen it in a film, they actually see what it's actually like. That actually had a real person. It changed their whole outlook of me, which has improved my life dramatically. And it's just, it's, it's basically done to one film and that was a beautiful thing. So, yeah, that helped me massively. Just, you're saying that it's helped you a lot. Do you recommend it? to like other friends and family or I, people I, that are going through the same as you? I tell anybody that, that mentions like people, because obviously I still get the same reaction when you tell people you've got schizophrenia, you still get the odd person that let their eyes go up and they sort of 
we coil in horror because they think you're some kind of mad psychopath or whatever because it's what you always get and it's what the media portray. So yeah. I always tell people, look, watch A Beautiful Mind. Watch the film uh, and you'll see exactly what it's actually like and you'll have a different outlook on people and rather than thinking it's like split personality because people think it's a split personality because you're talking to like somebody else that's not there and it's nothing like that but it's just the, the media's perceptions, people's perceptions over the years have changed. Like like, like John Nash, I mean they, they injected him with insulin to start with. That was what they'd done to him and that's that's how they treated people. And I remember back in the 80s when I first got diagnosed, I mean I basically they took my rights away. I, I couldn't think apparently, I couldn't speak. I couldn't do it myself, I wasn't allowed to drive because they said it was a massive weapon and I could kill people. This is what they were telling my parents in front of me, but they were telling them, not me. Even though I'm sitting listening thinking, well, I can hear you, I can still think. Um, and it, that went on for a long time and it's only now, I suppose, that like my mother, she's 72 now, that she actually understands what I went through for years. And it's all right, I'm saying we're sorry, we didn't know what you went through and it does make it a bit better, but it's quite sad for me that it took a film for them to sit and watch and think, oh, right, okay, now I understand. Because it's hard to, it's like, you try and explain to people how you feel and sometimes you struggle because you, you, do, you don't know what's going on in your own head. It's, it's, it's like a schizophrenia because you, 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 you can live in a different reality and that's where the delusional part comes in and what you believe to be true. I've had the police in my house before because I've been delusional and my son came in one day and he, he sat he sat and said, my dad's got schizophrenia and they looked to me like they put their notebooks away and like, just got up and walked out because I was convinced people were following me and cars were following me. So I reported it to the police. That's how bad things can get. You know, you're in this this bubble that you can't get out of and everyone's the whole world's against you and your paranoia is really bad and the delusion's really bad that it's it's a scary place to be in. So the the, the, the more they treat you with contempt and like like sort of the like a lucky disregard how you're feeling, the more you retreat away into yourself and the more you disappear and just hide yourself away. So it took that film to watch them for them to actually say, all right, now I get it, which to me is quite sad because it is a film, it is a true story, but it's quite sad that it's t- it took that for them to get that. And I'm 52 now and it's a long time, but I suppose it's never too late for people to understand, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I would recommend it to anybody. Good, good, good. Maybe some of the, um, like the police and the ambulance and NHS, or that might be worth a, a look in for them so that they get a better understanding for mm-hmm. like that and borderline personality disorder, things like that. Yeah, definitely. Have to have a look at it. It's not a film I'd, I've seen. I'd recommend them to watch it. It's a great film. To look it out. Yeah, definitely. We did also want to mention that um, for people with schizophrenia, it tends to be a, a stereotype that they're dangerous in some way. Um, yeah, so we did want to point out as well that people with schizophrenia are much more likely to be the victims of violence rather than to be the ones doing anything. Like you say, it's well, I've, been the, vic- I've, I've been the victim of violence because of my. Yeah, yeah, I've been the victim of violence because of my schizophrenia. I've been stabbed. I've been stabbed in the leg and stabbed in the back because of it. Do you know what I mean? I never done anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I was talking to people that weren't there. And, people took offence to it, do you know what I mean? And it's like, I've had people laughing at me um, in supermarkets because you don't realise, because you, 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 it's like, I, this is going to sound really daft, but I used to go up to people and actually poke them to see if they were actually real. Um, so I basically, even now, I still avoid, like when I go outside in the street, I'll avoid, people will say good morning or afternoon. I just ignore them because I'm not sure. Are you really, I, I don't want to put myself in that situation. So it's like, 
I suppose people might look at me and think I'm ignorant, um, but it's not being ignorant, it's just I'm looking after me, um, yeah, first yeah. and foremost, to keep myself away from any trouble. And it's like you've got to put that mask on when you go out so that people don't think you're a certain way. So you're, you're living a lie, basically, your whole life, do you know what I mean? And it's like because people aren't accepting um, because it is so stigmatized, and uh, it's, it's hard to. It's hard to live with it and have a normal life, but you can have a normal life. Do you know what I mean? It's just that people are accepting, which mm. probably the vast majority of the population aren't, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, hopefully more people will watch the film after this and they will have some more understanding people. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. Good. Thank you, Liam. Much appreciated. No we'll problem, all be watching too. that film next. I'll have to find <laughs> it. Will you get it on Netflix? I don't know. <laughs> Probably. Probably. You want me to move on to check? Yeah, if you may, yeah, go for it. Yeah. We've got to check. Now, check's another volunteer among us all um, who's very um, into his poetry and that and has written bits and pieces. So we'll leave it leave it on to you now, check, and what you're going to speak about. I think it was a Spike Milligan. Um, I, that's that's right. Really, well, first of all, I want to say I think that was really powerful, Liam. I haven't heard you speak about that before. Um, for for all I know you a wee bit, so I think that was really powerful, and I can understand you, how frustrating it is when it takes a film to convince people when they actually you could have told them yourself, but they just weren't listening. I can understand yeah. how frustrating that is. So, um, okay, so what I was going to talk about was Spike Milligan. I'm also going to correct you, Susan. Um, I'm not really into my poetry, I'm into my poems, because <laughs> I really don't, I don't, call it, I don't call it poetry at all, I try to avoid calling it poetry, <coughs> I'm, I'm being light-hearted, I'm not having a go at you. But, uh, yeah. Spike Milligan, um, the, the book that, I mean, if there's ever that kind of, what's the book that changed your life, it was Pakun by Spike Milligan. It's not about mental health at all, um, or mental illness even, but it's just, it was the, one of my friends gave me this beat up old copy when I was about 17 and I knew of Spike Milligan because he'd been on television at that point. I didn't know the goons at that point. I was just too young for the goons on radio. But um, I did not know the written word could be that funny. It just, it floored me. Uh, just then my pal just said, you know, I'm not going to say anything, just read it. And in between falling off the chair and chewing the carpet, I was, I was reading it. It was hilarious. And it just, it was not only funny, but um, quite serious. I mean, the, 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 what it's actually about is the wee village of Pakun in Ireland. Um, and when they, when they were partitioning Ireland, when they were making the border, they couldn't decide on the very last bit of it. They were all sitting around the table. Um, and so they all made a grab for the pencil and they all pulled the pencil as best they could. And they pulled the pencil right through this wee village. And so one of the consequences of this was, if you died in one part of the village, you had to get a passport to be buried in the graveyard, which was in the other half of the village. It was the other side of the border. <laughs> and he was just pointing out the absurdity of borders and differences and all that sort of thing. But the, some of this stuff, in the, like the, quite early on in the book, the first couple of pages, the character in the book is Dan Milligan, and the writer, the author, is Spike Milligan. So he meets this character, Dan. And... Uh, at one point, Dan cycles, I think he goes up a hill or something, but he's, he's lying out in the grass anyway, rolling up his trouser legs to get some sunshine onto his legs. And then he starts, he looks at his legs and he's not happy with them. So he starts arguing with the author about the legs. 
Oi, did you did you write me these legs? And, and he's going, yes. Oh, well, I bet you don't. I bet you didn't write your own legs. I bet you got a good leg writer to write your legs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading this. Bear me, I'm 17. Never come across anything like this before. The you know, comedy or, or humour in books was probably the funniest thing I'd ever read. Was Animal Farm, George Orwell, you know. And suddenly I'm reading this stuff. This is bizarre. And that was that for me was I I I want to do this, I want to make people laugh in the same way. So I then um, chased up everything I could of Spike Milligan, and he did, he wrote a lot of poetry, uh, a lot of kids poetry as well. Is it silly verse for kids, uh, um, a book of bit or a bit of a book, all sorts of stuff. Um, and then of course I came to his um, his war trilogy, which actually turned out to be six books. Like it might even be seven. Uh, but it was originally a trilogy. Uh, it begins with Adolf Hitler, my part in his downfall, <laughs> <laughs> and then it goes on to I think it's I think the next one is Rommel Gunner Who. So you see Spike Milligan's head coming up from a hole in the ground, going he's think bubble Rommel, and Rommel is sitting on Milligan's head, sort of thing, going Gunner Who, because he was a gunner in the Second World War. So the, 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 each of these books. Again, they're hilarious, but they're about the Second World War. They're about something really serious. Mm-hmm. And towards the end of the towards the end of the war, I think it was, but certainly around about I think it's book five or book six, he gets blown up. Um, he's, he's running a line from the from the um, base camp to the the forward position, and uh, he's being mortared, and a mortar goes off quite close to him, blows him head over heels, and I think he ended up with a metal plate in his head. But I also think that's when he started to um, experience bipolar disorder. Um, and he was, he was played with that for the rest of his life. He was, at times he was really, really ill. And I don't know if any of you would know the goons um, on radio, but he was, he was writing this stuff, the goons, which was utterly groundbreaking humour back in the 50s. Nobody had ever come across stuff like this before. But at the same time, every now and then, he made himself ill and he had to go into hospital. And then come back out and write this hilarious stuff, and it just that that was I just thought that was really. First of all, that's kind of what I wanted to do. That, but I want to I want to emulate this. I want to write funny stuff that makes people laugh, but it's also made me realise, you know, that you can, you can use humour, and and make really serious points with with your with your stories and your your funny stories. So it's been my hero ever since Spike Milligan, and I I, I recommend Pakun to everybody. To look that out. Yeah, I'll add that to my list as well. Yeah. <laughs> either, either Pakun or the war books. If you get the war books, they're hilarious as well. Good. Like to have a good laugh. Oh, no, yes. no, it's, one, it's the one thing that annoys me in life, right? That people in society think that people with mental health conditions aren't intelligent and can't do anything. When most people, there's that many people in the world, famous people, artists, psychologists, book writers, they've all had formed some form of mental illness and people don't realise that these people have actually got conditions and they sort of shun the, the, the normal public away thinking because you've got that you can't achieve anything. Do you know what I mean? You, you end up starting to believe it yourself. Do you know what I mean? You think, well, I can't achieve anything because you get put down that much. But it's, it's these people like Spike Milligan, John Nashters, like uh, even uh, Van Gogh. I mean, he was schizophrenic apparently, or so you think mm. anyway. But there's not that many people that have had mental health conditions that are world-renowned, like famous people. 
and it's all due to their mental health because I'm not just saying it because I've got it, but people with mental health, they always seem to have a talent, some kind of um, something in their brain that makes them a bit more. I was going to say special, but I'm probably the wrong word to use because I don't mean special because that doesn't sound right. But it makes them them more creative because there's something there in their brain that that just clicks that they can do these things, whereas the general sort of public um, can't do it. Because I've done 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 a a test for uh, the NHS, Aberdeen University and Edinburgh University in over two days. And it was all about mental health and your brain and how your brain works. And it was all about doing like puzzles and all these different things, you know what I mean? And it was like, it actually surprised me what I could do because I never thought I'd be able to do it. But they were saying, well, yeah, this is too easy for you. And I was thinking, why is it too easy? Do you know what I mean? Like they're saying normal people would find this really hard, but you find it so easy. But I didn't know why. I've just done what they asked me to do. But people don't, that's what people don't realise that it's the, some of the most famous people in the world have mental health conditions. Do you know what I mean? Some of the funny people, Stephen Fry, I mean, he's bipolar disorder, like Spike Milligan, do you know what I mean? It's like, it's amazing the amount of folk you just don't realise. Yeah. I don't think the public realise either. Yeah, I think we need to, we're talking out, we're talking out more, we can change that. You see even like this, even sports people and things like that, that have got mental health issues that are fantastic in their field. But as mm-hmm. you say, Liam, people in the public think that you should be downtrodden, dirty and unable to hold down a job. Whereas actually yeah. there's a very lot of intelligent, clever people, talented people out there that have got mental health issues. Yeah. There's a, there's a recent theory that um, Robert Burns had bipolar disorder. Some, somebody was researching Burns and they, they've right. come up with a theory that possibly he was bipolar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe if people knew that the, the people they respected and admired in whatever field actually had struggled themselves, they might actually mm-hmm. approach it with a different mindset. Mm. It's just people's perceptions, that's the thing, Jim. Yeah. <coughs> it's people's perceptions, because I still get it. People say to me, you're so well turned out, and you think, well, what am I supposed to look like? I mean, yeah. what, what am I supposed to? I'm meant to have horns sticking on my head or something because of that. Do you know what I mean? I even go, I even had it at the weekend, my brother, and he was talking about his friends that I'd met his friends I'd not met before. And I had to laugh because he told me, I was talking to Angela and Derek, and they said, you don't look schizophrenic. And I was like, well, how am I supposed to look? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What I find you turning... It made me laugh because I'm thinking, well, am I meant to look a certain way? Yeah. Is, is, is there a description or a picture or something that I could go and see, well, that's what I should look like? Am I not meant to look like me? All right, okay. Thank you. No, but that's just people's perception. And he, 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 I don't think he, he realised what he was saying. Even he said it, he, he, still didn't, he still didn't click what he said because I was sitting laughing. He was looking at me and wondering why I was laughing. I was laughing because of what he's... Right. It's, to me, it's small-mindedness, do you know what I mean? It's like so narrow-minded, like you're meant to look, you're meant to look a certain way because of what you are. No, you're not. You're a normal human being. I know. What did they expect? A painting or something? That's what I'm saying. Like, it's, it's crazy. And that, it's, it's people's perceptions. And that's <clears throat> that's what I try. We all try and change these perceptions of people, do you know what I mean? And it's, I don't know how long it will take, probably never in my lifetime, but one day, hopefully, it will be a bit different. That's what we're all trying to do, isn't it? Like spread just stories and make it kind of more relatable for people. Uh, Bringing it back to books, um, just before we go back to Bridget, I wanted to add in a book of mine as well. Well, a book of my choice, uh, which is Who Said That, which is actually by my mum, but uh, Libby Patterson. She, the Who Said That book is actually a prequel to a crime thriller trilogy that she wrote. 
but the prequel is about the character, the main character and how he kind of ended up how he is and why he is like that. And she's based that story on my story of my kind of discovery of my mental health issues on a beach up in the Western Isles. And she's portrayed it so well of the way my friends were really there for me and the kind of positive reactions people can have and the impact that people having a positive reaction can have. So my friends were there for me and she's portrayed that really, really well in the book in that nobody left me alone. Nobody treated me different or weird. They just actually supported me and as a result helped me get the help I needed because I didn't think that anybody was going to you know not take me seriously or anything because they had that positive reaction so she's put that into her book into her prequel and kind of shown it as a really positive example of how you can react in some of these situations so that one means a lot to me so I thought I'd add that in there what's what's the book called I want to read that what's it called it's called who said that who said that yeah. Is it, is it available in the shops? I take it. Um, it's on there, Amazon. Obviously. On it's Amazon, on right. Amazon. I'll have a look. I'll need to get that in Bridget's book and read both of them. I'll give it a try anyway. Yeah, it's a good book. Um, I read it first and it is a very good representation of how. How, 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 how did you feel reading a book that was actually written about your personal experience? How, 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 was that? how did it make you feel? <laughs> it was weird, to be honest. It was very strange. But. Um, I felt quite emotional because of how far I've come since then and yeah. how kind of how much I've come to terms with my own issues since then and kind of the difference mm. between me then and me now. I found it quite emotional, but I found it really good to see the strength of the other characters portrayed as well because she made it not all about the mental health. It was about that group of friends and people reacting to each other and looking after each other so and treating me as a person. Not it must, it, it must have been really good. It must have been really good to like read the book and look back to see where you were. Yeah. To see like where to to where you are now. Did that not make did that not make you open your eyes and think, oh my god, I've came a long way. This is where I was to where I am now. It's such a, a such a difference, such a jump. Was it not yeah, a good feeling to definitely. read that and think, wow, I've, I've come through that. Do you know what I mean? I got through it because obviously sometimes it can feel like you're never going to get anywhere. So it must be good to read it and think, well, that's where I've been and look where I am now. That must be a good feeling. Yeah, it was really, really good. Definitely. Cool. I'll need to read that book. Cool. Well, have we got to finish with Bridget's last bit of the story before I we... Think so, yeah. Yeah, I like this. I'm looking forward to this. This was just um, a lot of um, the bits of Eleanor Oliphant are actually very funny, um, which kind of ties in with what Chick was talking about, the humour making it easier to talk about different ways of looking at things and you are actually allowed to laugh and there's one particular passage that just brings it right back to today and you'll understand why when I read it to you. It's about when she's going to visit a friend in hospital. It was too hot inside the hospital and the floor squeaked. There was a hand gel dispenser outside the ward and a big yellow sign above it read do not drink. Did people actually drink sanitizing hand gel? I suppose they must, hence the sign. Part of me, a very small sliver, briefly considered dipping my head to taste a drop, purely because I'd been ordered not to. No, Eleanor, I told myself, curb your rebellious tendencies. Stick to tea, coffee and vodka. 
I like it. I like it. I love it. That's really good. I like her style. <laughs> yeah. I will, I will try to read that as well, Bridget. Excellent. <laughs> You'll enjoy it. it. There's a lot of humour in it. Yeah. That's, that was good. Yeah. Very funny. I like that one. Um, okay, so we're going to kind of come to the end of our discussion there. Um, is there anything anybody else wanted to add before we do end? Um, no, I think it's been brilliant to hear from the three of you. It gave me something to watch and a couple of things to read there, so well done. And I'm sure the people listening all enjoyed it too. We should be in commission for the the books that we're all, because I think they'll go through the roof, especially the after being told not to drink hand sanitizer. <laughs> That's made me laugh. I do like it. So I think well done to all three of you. You've been brilliant. Thank you very much for um, letting us hear your bits of your story and what's helped you. Yeah. Thanks and for you, having me. And yours, Gemma, as well. I forgot <laughs> your book about you. Even yeah. more important. Yeah. It's um, really, really good to hear from all of you as well because I've just I've got a whole load of things to go and watch and read now as well. Very much looking forward to yeah, it. You need to let me know what you think of the film. I will do. You need to let me know what you think of it. Yeah, will do. And I'll Maybe others watching can let us know what they thought of it or if they've got other books or films that they could suggest in the, the sort of chat that we could yeah. all we could have a see-me book club. That would be nice. Oh, that's an idea. Recommendations from our listeners. <laughs> that's definitely true because I could talk about it. There's films I know that portray my condition in a totally different light, do you know what I mean, in the bad light, which is like where people get their... That's the classic kind of film people watch, you know. So there's, it's, it's, it's everywhere out there, do you know what I mean? But there's that many, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And each one's different, but they all end up the same ending. You're the bad person. Mm. Okay, well, this has been Meaningful Movies and Wise Words, part of See Me Scotland's Summer Sessions. Um, and thank you, everybody, for participating. Thanks for having me. Thank, thank you. Bye-bye. Nice talking to you all. Take care, Chuck. Bye. Susan, bye, Gemma. Bye, 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 Bridget. See you soon. Bye. Okay, that was Meaningful Movies and Wise Words, and thanks so much to everyone who took part in that, and thank you, all of you, to listening. If you want to find out more about the Anti-Stigma Summer Sessions, see what events are coming up, see what's in the planning, check out our website, seemescotland.org, and there is a banner on the homepage there, which can link you straight into all of the different events and activities that are coming up. So that is everything from us for this week. Just time for me to say goodbye to co-host Dee. Au revoir, Nick. Goodbye to contributor Lynn. Ta-da. And <laughs> they can't see you doing that. <laughs> who just saluted for anyone who... It wasn't a noisy enough salute yeah. for this podcast, if you, this audio-only podcast. If you, yeah, if you, if you can't see through your headphones, Lynn saluted. And uh, finally, to the most esteemed guest of all, the Yorkshire yodeler, Mike Grindle. Bye, thanks. Oh, what, I can't remember what, what I'm saying, I got so overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, thanks everyone, bye-bye. Bye.